Uh, please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Today's reading comes from 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 4. Paul, Silvernus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as in right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is God's word. Praise God. Thank you, sister. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Uh, that your word uh, is powerful, that it's from you. Thank you that you allow it to go forth and it accomplishes everything that you desire. And Lord, we pray uh, that you would strengthen your saints right now. There are stories of people experiencing that future grace and the joy uh, that you give us in the gospel. And there's many of us now as we love you, we're, we're hurting in different ways, and there's some who don't know you. Lord, we pray you'll meet every one of us where we are. And Lord, would you be gracious to use me as your vessel. Pray that you would uh, allow the flesh to fall by the wayside, and that your Holy Spirit would use me to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated, family. All right, so we begin today. Uh, if you're new, it's cool. Usually people come in and the train is moving because we go through books of the Bible in our local community. Uh, we have some moments where we, uh, where we actually uh, have, you know, some, uh, where we do more topical. Usually it's maybe Christmas, the Advent, uh, where we're kind of following the liturgical calendar, the, the Christian calendar. Uh, and during this time, we, uh, if there's not, you know, Lent or Easter, we're going through books of the Bible. Uh, we finished First Thessalonians in the fall, and now we are into uh, the book of Second Thessalonians. Um, and I love walking through whole books of Scripture. Um, because you get to grasp the whole message, you get to see the ins and out of the different uh, messages, and, and you see how things fit into the main point, right? And so you get to do all those things, and, uh, and hopefully our, our heart's aim and our desire uh, is that it would build for you, as a people of God, you would build a confidence, right? You would build a, uh, a confidence as, 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 you, as you consider, like, well, the mind of Christ, as you consider what does it mean to walk with the Lord, as you consider uh, the, the knowledge of Scripture, and and our heart is that, that you're not kind of piecemealing the Bible, you know, like some kind of weird instruction manual, but that indeed you see it as a narrative, as a story of God. And so uh, we're hoping that we're being faithful in that, that we're, the reason why we expose that passage is obviously we think, we think ergonomically, we think practically it makes sense, but also theologically it seems to make sense because it's God's story. And so we want to make sure we tell it well. So I just want to give you a little snapshot on why we do that, on why we take it important for us to go through whole books of the Bible. So we'll be going through first, uh, Second Thessalonians. Um, basically, I think we'll be doing this throughout the, uh, up till the summer. So we'll have Second Thessalonians. We'll have a brief snapshot of a break where uh, we'll go through our time of Lent together and celebrate uh, uh, the, the, the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And then we'll finish out Second Thessalonians and enter into our summer. So that's, that's how we'll be rolling as far as our catechesis, as far as your, your training as a people of God. Uh, just a few uh, snap, you know, tidbits. I mean, you, you, I gave you this during First Thessalonians, um, <clears throat> but just to remind you, um, that First Thessalonians basically uh, 
first and second were kind of written uh, in, in, in the 50s, right? It's, it's actually probably, um, if not, it's for sure one of the earliest books of, of, of Christian writings. And so now some authors would say, you know, maybe Galatians uh, is the earliest, but, but Thessalonians is, is, is up there for sure. Uh, one of the oldest writings, so it's cool that we get to be jumping in and seeing what the Lord is doing. And as you, as you remember, uh, the Lord, uh, and you can find this book actually the, the 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 culmination or the forming of this book happening. Who can tell me where it's happening at? Acts, chapter. Mm-hmm. See, y'all ain't think I'd ask some questions. Why do you think we're going through these books? So y'all can just listen and leave. Hey, who said that? That's my dog, Act 17. That's what's up. You get the car. <laughs> Act 17. Thank you, Caleb, for actually listening to the sermons, brother. So, um, yes, y'all. So that's, so, and that, but that's important. I know I'm being, I'm being facetious, but, you know, like those big picture things we want to know, right? I mean, we go, through the, we, go through the, the, we go through that book, what, how many months? We go through the book for a while, and then we're going to go through this book for a while. And so the big picture things, I want those to be able to roll from you, right, to just know big picture when it was written, big picture What's the, what was the themes? You know, big picture. Uh, where, where is it? Is it, where is it found? Right? Because we spent the first couple of weeks in Acts talking about that, Acts chapter 17. Okay? And then we actually, remember we, we exposited the whole book of Acts. Right? So we got a double deuce of, uh, of Acts action. So, uh, cool. Um, and when you think of uh, Second Thessalonians, just like anybody who's writing any letter, right? If you write a letter to somebody, uh, say you uh, write a letter to my, <coughs> to my wife, Right, and then I write another letter to my wife. I'm pretty, you're pretty confident that those letters aren't going to be mutually exclusive, right? Those le- those letters are going to be a continuation, right? They're going to have some things that are a continuation, and they might have some new things. It's like if you ever uh, been some gone somewhere for a while, and you're writing somebody, right? You you kind of you write them. Then you talk about some past things and you bring up some new stuff. It's kind of like a, a little chain link fence that you kind of bring people along the journey. And that's what's happening here in Second Thessalonians, right? And so you want to ask yourself, even as a reader, remember, this isn't history. So you want to ask yourself, like, was the mission accomplished? Like, he, there's a lot of stuff that we saw in First Thessalonians. The question is, uh, you can get a picture uh, if, if the mission was accomplished through even Second Thessalonians. And, and so just to give you a brief snapshot of what's going on in Second Thessalonians, uh, is you, if you ask, the, was the mission accomplished, I'll say first, uh, kind of, yes and no. Uh, first, we realize that Paul, you know, in, in First Thessalonians, he was, a, he was fighting a lot for his personal integrity in the beginning of the book. Do you remember that? He was trying to help them understand why you should be listening to him and, and how maybe there might be some haters in the crowd. And even though there are haters... Uh, I feel like you guys have been faithful. This is him talking to the, to the Thessalonians. And so he's, letting them, he's reminding them of his personal integrity. Uh, and what's interesting is I would propose in 2 Thessalonians, you don't see that much. So, so I wonder, I think it's a natural conclusion to say that maybe that took, right? And he didn't feel like he had to readdress that. Whereas when you think of the book of Corinthians, if you're new here, there's a book in the Bible, it's called uh, Corinthians, and he wrote two letters. And in the first letter, he was fighting again for the sense of like, hey, you need to be doing things God's way. And, and then a lot of the second letter is actually talking about the personal integrity of himself. And so it seems like it was an opposite kind of deal. And so I just want to get, get our minds to have those first century glasses on and realize these are, these are letters, right? He's, people are reading these, and they're part of the narrative, and they're getting upset. Have you ever had somebody write you a letter, and you got mad at some of the stuff they were saying, right? You get mad at them, you start dogging, you start talking, talking bad about them to other people. It happened to Paul. You get a letter, and you start loving what they're saying, and you start saying, man, Paul, he's so cool. Look what he said here about us. This is what's happening, right? This is real, 
Another piece is, um, you see, he's going to be continuing the conversation of the second coming, right? And so he continues that. So we realized that that was important. For some reason, he was worried that these guys, these converts, were, were kind of deviating from a, a correct understanding of what it meant to talk about the day of the Lord. And so we see him re, re, uh, revisiting that in the scriptures. We'll see him talk about quiet living a lot as well, right? So he'll talk about that there, obviously there was some kind of trouble that was being reported. And he doesn't do this a lot, but a few times, and particularly here, he actually talks about, hey, this was reported to me. So that means like somebody in the church told on y'all, right? And told it that some of y'all are kind of lazy, right? You're not living quiet, you're gossips. And he was kind of, he brings it up about this report of the community that they were exercising this disruptive influence. There are people who are kind of just, just not being healthy for the community. And so he wants to kind of really project a healthy theology of work to these people. So, so we have him not fighting for integrity. We have him talking about the second coming. He's helping them to understand what does it mean to live a godly, quiet life. He's, he's talking to them about, man, there's some people here. You got to be careful because in, in the body there's some disruptive people. So let's make sure we're dealing with them well. And then he actually gives warning to uh, some people who are disobedient. There's going to be people in this camp. Now, remember, all the praise and acknowledgement that he gave in First Thessalonians, right? That they're good people. And, in this, and we're going to see, uh, he's going to briefly say, hey, let's make sure. Now, there's a few of you guys who are kind of trying to kind of spoil the apples here. So he brings that up. And then I, want, I saved the, probably the biggest for last because it was such a huge um, piece of 1 Thessalonians. What do you think was, what was the, big, the big subject in 1 Thessalonians? Faithfulness because of what? Thank you. Faithfulness because of what? Because of persecution. Right? That was a biggie. And so he's writing in... Did some of you guys get that? You're like slapping five and stuff? Praise God. Um, Paul writes to strengthen those who are experiencing persecution. Remember, like, so being I mean, Jews and, I mean, think about it. Jews, you get persecuted and usually it's like a, a certain group. You had all the Gentiles, all the Greeks, and the Jews, everybody persecuting them, right? Because the, the Greeks were like, whoa, are you trying to say that Caesar is not king, but your God is king? So you had this huge persecution from that because basically what they were doing as they were loving Jesus, it was, it was coming against the, the government. They were feeling like, man, this is going to overthrow everything that's, that we're working for here. So it was a livelihood issue. And then from the Jews' camp, they just thought these guys are pagans. <laughs> this whole way was weird to them. And so even though, even, again, for a while we, we, we see this, that, that Paul and these Christians are saying, no, we're not this, this, this absolute exclusive deal from Judaism. We actually are part of Judaism, but Judaism has been fulfilled in Christ. So he's trying to show we're cousins. I'm part of this. They're like, no, 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 no. They, so they're cutting them off. You're, you're not family. And so they're having persecutions from both sides. And remember, remember 1 Thessalonians? Because to me, I'm always blown away I have persecution in general because we live in the States, right? I mean, we, we don't really get it. We don't understand what does it mean to say, if I acknowledge Christ as my Lord and Savior and I live according to him and I denounce all other people and things as God, that I could literally, I could literally die. I mean, I, I, have you, we've never experienced that. Or even more hurtful for me, I think many people in this room, or my wife could be killed. My kids could be hurt. The people who become Christians today in the Middle East, and they have fear that their families will be destroyed. Now, well, imagine this new way is coming about 
this Paul comes in, he's preaching, these guys, these women, these men, they become Christians, they're like, we love this, we love God, we've been free, God frees them, and then the people in the town are so insolent and upset, remember, they, they boot them out and beat them up, and you come back, we're going to kill you, it doesn't come back, but wait a minute, what blows me away, at least he gets to leave, you still there, you've only had two weeks of discipleship, you've only had one Mac life. You know what I'm saying? And now with your one Mac life and three meetings with, you know, Paul, some of them some good sermons, but just three meetings. You know what I'm saying? Now you got to live the Christian life in front of persecution and people who are saying, I'm going to take away your economic well-being. I'm going to take away your social well-being. I'm going to make it extremely hard for you to experience life here because of what you're doing with this person that you call Jesus. And they stay immovable. They, they walk with the Lord. Remember First Thessalonians, people from other lands are saying, we heard about y'all and how faithful you are in Christ. They only had discipleship for a month. And Paul's like, I'm blown away at your faithfulness. This is the stage that's set. This is the stage. He writes Thessalonians and say, man, I mean, I, I wonder if Paul was like, let me write this letter because I'm, look, I, I love God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I know God does supernatural things, but just three weeks of discipleship? You know what I'm saying, Jay? Right? He's like, hold up. Let me write. Y'all still Christian? Y'all all right? I'm hearing stuff. Y'all all right? Right? That's the stage here. And so we get into... Second Thessalonians, and this is kind of the, the template that Paul is going through as he has his list of what he needs to talk about. And imagine all the things he could talk about. Oh, I was feeling myself there. I'm glad there's not a person there. But uh, all this thing he could talk about, he's talking about these few things. I'm glad we do. Do we film this? Okay. All right. So there's no witnesses. Okay. Good. All right. So with that being said, uh, Obviously, Paul's the author. In, in chapter 3, verse 17, he makes that clear that he's the author. Uh, but, but, but remember, guys, he, Paul's the author, but he wants you to know, like, hey, this is not about, like, Paul authoring to the people. He, he brings up all these other guys, right? He brings up Savannah. He brings up Timothy. And why? Because those are the guys who were with him in Acts chapter 17, right? He's like, this letter is coming from the crew. Like, this is, I, I pinned it with my hand, but man, these guys, we're all caring about you. We're all wanting to make sure that you, you fight the fight well, right? So that's the stage set. Uh, and he begins in, first, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Look how he begins the letter as we jump into the Word right now with the stage set. Just want to remind you, fam, um, if you're new, uh, this will be news to you. If you have a question that you think could encourage the whole body, we want to ask to go ahead and ask that question, and hopefully I can answer it. If not, uh, we'll, we'll research and try to figure it out together uh, and bring it back to you. But we want to make sure that, that we are being informed so that we could be worshiping God. That's the heart behind it. If it's something specific, come see me afterwards, and we could chop it up. So I want to give you that freedom. So let's start with that, with, with that in mind. Let's start in, in chapter 1. The scriptures read, Paul... Savannah and Timothy, which is that's just a, uh, a rendering for Silas, uh, the word Savannah's there, to the church of the Thessalonians and God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So he uses this normal letter format. If you, when you're reading the Bible, uh, you'll see these, these, these books here. Um, after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, you have what you got kind of a historical uh, narrative book, you know, in, in, um, in Acts, uh, epistles. But, the, but then you have these are called the epistles. And in these letters, uh, these greetings, this is how uh, the greetings are, are normally framed out. Um, so what happens, what's cool, uh, just like in the book of Genesis, a lot of what's happening in the Bible is they use different cultural uh, frameworks of the day to actually begin to like usher into you spiritual truth. And so this was a normal greeting that they would have, um, that Greeks would greet, how they would greet each other. But obviously they, he added a few things to kind of almost like, you know, just how we feed kids. You know, you, you, uh, you want to give them the beach, you want to give them the... Uh, the Brussels sprouts, you know, you put it with, you know, some, some good, you know, applesauce or something to kind of, to kind of allow it to go down, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and the work's accomplished. And so, so Paul, what he does is he, he, uh, he kind of, kind of chucks full this, this first verse that's just a normal, uh, normal format of the letter of the day. And he, t- he just packs it with theology, guys. And I'm just going to walk through it briefly. Um, there's a lot he's trying to help us understand. And if you're a Thessalonian, you're, you're sitting there, you're reading this, and he's trying to jolt a lot of stuff that you need to be remembering and be thinking about yourself as he wants to encourage you and who you are in the Lord so that you can receive the letter appropriately. All right? So he starts it off. He, a couple of things he says is, is first and foremost, uh, this whole concept of, of uh, grace to you, I'm sorry, to the church of Thessalonians in God our Father. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, he says God the Father, which is interesting. I propose uh, he, he, he does the, inter- the interchanging and specific, specifically here because he wants to show us the issue of ownership, right? He wants to make it just really clear. That's something that we kind of get used to, but you got to pause, is that God is your father. That for these, these Gentiles, for them to pause and say, God is your father. And... It, and I tell you, what, one thing that a lot of us have to do, including myself, uh, my dad, you know, he left when I was 12. Uh, and so we have to kind of recalibrate. We kind of got to do a lot, of, lot of, uh, of, of taking out of the stinking thinking in our minds of what, what does that mean for God to be your daddy, right? Because you hear that and you're like, really? Right. And so, and that's why it's so important for you to be diving in the word and understanding, okay, so this is what God does. The whole Bible, right, is about God presenting himself in his beautiful narrative of who he is and then showing you who he is so that you and I might trust him. That's what's going on, right? So God shows his, his, his majesty, his beautiful works. He shows you throughout history how we're always unfaithful. He's faithful. How we are good sometimes and not good sometimes, good, bad, split. He's always good. How, how we have some power and then we're very weak. How he's always powerful. And he just shows you throughout the scriptures that his character is unblemished and we are jacked up so that we might go, oh, it makes sense for me to trust the unblemished dude. You see that? That's kind of what's going on in the Bible. So here, he's hoping, when he says this, that people are going, oh, man, my father? And this whole concept here, I love this, continues on. He talks about, he says, Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This whole Lord piece. I mean, think about that. Authority, uh, leadership, ownership, when you think of the word Lord. But, but this word, again, is extremely chock full, right? Because this is a word that was used for Yahweh. So God is doing something here. So he's saying, so wait, God is my father, and then it's Jesus Christ. 
Wait, the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we're seeing this code, Jesus Christ being deity. Wanting you to understand that Jesus Christ is deity. The same Yahweh that you talked about before Christ was on the scene. This, 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 is, this is him. Implications of the sense of Lord. Jesus, Lord, Jesus Christ, Jesus, his word. So you got, man, God, our Father, the Lord, Jesus, his name in itself, the name means salvation, right? That God helps or God saves. Can you see how, t- I mean, this is the first sentence, and every word he's trying to impact, just, just bring about to you a, a, a word picture of, of, of who you are in light of who he is, right? This is status language. Do you see what he's doing here? He's, he's, not just, he's not just pumping himself up. Right? What he's doing here, when you see this whole this prepositional phrase, in God our Father, when you see him using all these words, he's trying to instill in you and me that no. So yeah, that's who God is. He's awesome. He's big. He's the Lord. He's salvation. He's anointed. He's the Messiah. He's all those things. And guess what? You are in him. You are in him. That's what he's trying to help you and I remember, trying to help you and I establish in our hearts that this majestic, awesome, huge God that I'm telling you about right now, that I'm beginning the conversation with, is that he is yours and you are his and you are in him. Do you live, do you walk around thinking that? Do you forget that sometimes? I do. Many of y'all know we just bought a lemon, right? (laughs) Car jacked up, not working. Man, just that quick. Material possession. Right? You forget. Wait a minute. But I'm a child of the king. It's okay. Has God been good to us? Absolutely. Am I in Christ Jesus? Absolutely. Right? I start, you, start, you start grabbing hold of this stuff. Oh, my goodness. You, get, you start trying to get street. You know what I'm saying? Right? You don't want to talk on the phone the way you're supposed to talk on the phone as a Christian. Because you're feeling wronged. But really, that's a trust issue. Right? If I'm really believing this, if I'm really going, oh, wait, no, no, no. God sees all this. God God knows what's going on here. Jesus is a version of Joshua family, right? He's, he's, He's talking about this whole concept of God helping you, him saving you. That he's not only, that he that he made you, sis. Right? That's, what this, that's what this invokes. And, and, and this whole Lord says that he, he, he redeems us, Christ, Messiah. The word Christos is Messiah, the word anointed one. That, that, that the, prophets, the prophets foretold of this guy, here he is, right here. And all of that, all of that is in the date of a sphere. If you're uh, English buffs, and I always tell you guys, I never really understood English until I learned Greek. I was exposed. Right? I thought I knew English, and I got in Greek class, I was like, I don't even know English. And, and then I had a two for one, right? I got to learn English and Greek in Greek class. And um, date of a sphere, this whole sense of God our Father, that you, that you and me are in Jesus. You know, it, it brings light. What, what, what verses does it invoke? What verses does that? There's, there's many verses that I could invoke right now, this whole concept of you being in God. One of my favorites is Ephesians chapter 2. I don't even know if I, I'll put it up here or not. 2. Um, Five and six. Let me read it to you. Ephesians, you can go there or write the address down. But listen to the word of God. Ephesians 2, 5. Yep, absolutely. The scriptures read, he's talking about being dead in trespasses and sin and God saving you by, your, by his grace, right? And then the scripture says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. 
That's, that's verse 5. By grace you have been saved. And then look what he says here. He says, you know, God does this every once in a while to just jolt us and help us go. Do I really believe this? He gives us this, this spiritual, otherworldly stuff, right? He says, and raise up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, pause and think about that. So God is saying, while you are sitting right there, sis, Sarah, you're sitting right there. God is saying right now, you're sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now. That's bizarre. I feel like I'm right here. Right? It's this, it's this sense. It's this, for, for actually, I would propose theologically that, 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 that essence, ontologically, that's actually true. But it evokes a picture as well of the, of the kind of relationship that God has with you and me when he saves us, when he breaks us free from sin and Satan, and he makes you his child. He says, literally, you are in heaven with him in heavenly places. This is what God has done with the redeemed. Not what he's going to do with the redeemed. It's what he's done with the redeemed. And then what he's done, we will all be able to see it in the second coming when that veil is unleashed, right? When he's all, when what we, what we cannot see because there's that vellum, you know, your vellum, you know how you get a really cool invitation and you can kind of see it, but you can't see it all yet. You got to peel the little vellum piece back. Y'all ain't been, y'all been to good parties. Come on. You know, we we'll just go to cabarets. Come on now. Right? And you see it. And you're like, whoa. And that's what he's talking about. It's a sense of like, that's how it's going to be for us. It's a status issue, family. Can I, just, can I just, just, just nail that in? It's a status issue that he wants to help us understand that in him, that I'm safe. In Christ, I'm secure. Right? There's a union. He wants you to know that. So I labor on that, guys, because here's the thing. I know we believe it, but as, as in the gospel writing, he says, Lord, would you help my unbelief? Every one of us, we struggle with believing this. And then, man, in 20 seconds, we act like practically we don't believe it at all. And my prayers for you and me both to hold each other accountable, to be men and women that we take, we, we make choices. The choices we make will really show, I believe this stuff. I believe what God is saying about who he is. And I think he wanted me to labor that point because watch how he continues on. Scriptures read, grace he says, in grace and peace comes from this whole concept you see in the scriptures here in verse 2. Grace to you and peace. Oh, yes. Oh, no, don't be sorry, buddy. Wow, that's really good. So, he's asked, so Matthew's asking, is this, is this us being in God the same as the Holy Spirit being in us? I would say from the cuff, when I think of, when you said that, it made me remember my prayers of the Holy Spirit, John 17, when he, when he does that entered language of exactly what you said, that he is in us and I am in him. This whole concept that, that God, yes, he gives us the person of the Holy Spirit to be, to reside in us, to fill us, right? I'm proposing that that, that the power he gives us is, is kind of different than the sense I think here he's trying to help us understand this protection, this sense of like, you are mine. This is, date of a sphere is, it means like in the atmosphere of, in the environment of. I talk about this when I talk about grace, that grace isn't a nugget that God throws at you when you need, when you do something bad, but that the Christian lives in an environment of grace, 
right? I feel I propose that when God gave us the Holy Spirit, he says that the Spirit actually resides in us, that, that the very same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you when you become a Christian, whereas it proposed what he's saying here is that the whole environment that we live in, like that, we, we, he's, it's, not a, it's like everywhere we are, we're in God. God has us, right? That, that God has placed us in a place where we are in him. It's a sphere issue, an environment issue. So I propose when I think of data of a sphere grammatically. So I, so I would say they're not exclusive, but I think there's kind of probably some different nuance, di- differences with the nuance of, a, of the meaning of being in Christ in that way and having the Holy Spirit residing in us as a person. Yeah. Thanks for asking, man. Uh, now he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Right, family? Um, this is just basically talking about the, where do we get that strength? We're just talking about grace, this environment of grace. Where do we get the strength? This, uh, this is an issue of supply that God has given us. Uh, basically, on the cross, through the cross, he gives us grace. It seems like this is what the Bible's saying, that because of what he's done on Calvary, we get grace and we get peace. This whole sense of total well-being, this sense of God-given total freedom and well-being. And what does this grace and peace give us? Verse 3. It says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, and as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for, every, for one another is increasing. No, check that out. So just in a nutshell, it seems like right here when you look at the scriptures, you have the sense of faith and love. And it seems like this faith component is kind of like this, this kind of vertical response to what God has done with grace, right? That, 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 that basically when I live life and I'm confident in God's love, a key indicator of that is the faith steps I make. That makes sense? When you're confident in God's love, you're going to do and act a certain way because you're, right? it's, and it's going to acknowledge that you actually believe in that love, right? I mean, this is like any other practical relationship you have. Right? You operate based on the belief of the, of the relationship many times. Just like your kids, <laughs> Right? Just like friendships. And so th- this whole concept is that when, when I think about my relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to propose to you, one of, one of the, uh, the t- temperature gauges you can ask is like, man, like, what does it look like? Uh, how do I live my life in faith? Because that will let you know kind of the barometer of God's love, of how you view God's love for yourself and care for you. And in love, how do you love other people? So, those, so you take those steps of faith, and then how you love other people is I would propose that horizontal response. Right? That, that what God does on Calvary, when he dies and he frees us from sin, he gives us an opportunity now in the power of the Holy Spirit to respond to God moment by moment, day by day, on how we're going to interact with the world based on that relationship we have with him, based on that belief that, man, I, that God loves me, I'm cared for, even as sis said, that I don't have to have lavish parties and all this stuff to know that God loves me, and now I can live in this world in a certain way, and now horizontally, right, he gives me that grace I can, I, can, I can respond in faith, but now I can love other people, right? Because now if, if God is depositing that love in me, if I'm experiencing that love and grace and I'm, and I'm believing that, now I'm free to deposit that to other people. And it's interesting here. He talks about who the Lord is. First things he does is he gives thanks. Now notice this. Now don't miss this. Now look at the scriptures. It's interesting. He's not just thankful. You see the text here? 
Look at the text. It's interesting that the thanks is obligatory. <laughs> he says we ought to give thanks. Isn't that interesting? That, that it's, it's an imperative. It's almost a more requirement, <laughs> right? Here's, here's what I want to say this. We've talked about this many times. I want to pause here for a moment just to, and then we're going to go home, y'all. Here is, how do you fight discontent in a Christian life? How do you fight discontent? You ever thought about that? How do you fight discontent? Can I propose to you, family, we've talked about this, and Satan doesn't want us to digest this. You fight discontent with gratitude. You, the way that you defeat the enemy and his lies to make you always feel like, no, there's something more I need is when God allows you to build the spiritual discipline of being a thankful, grateful Christian. When you can look and you can say, oh, man, it was, the Lord gave me that grace. I was sitting there, I was thinking, you know what? Okay, car jacked up, and I thought, man, these are upperly mobile problems. I'm mad because my other car is messed up. See, that's perspective. From a brother who grew up on the Rita. That's the RTA. That's the public transportation Leon knows in Cleveland. You understand? Grew up on it. It's all about perspective, right? It's all about perspective. There's always, guess what? There's always, and this is just, this is just real, there's always someone going through something deeper than you. Scriptures read in... Uh, in James chapter 1, write this address down, verses 16 and 17. The scriptures read, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I propose this should be a memory verse for you, family. May I ask that for you to memorize this verse, ask the Holy Spirit to allow you to digest this verse, so that when you're arguing with your wife over something petty, that you will remember that she's a gift and that you would lead better and you would, you would ask for forgiveness first. Do you see how Satan uses this to get at you and me? Oh, my goodness. What's so crazy about this is, you know, what's, what's so deep about this issue, discontent, is I know, I can say this straight up, everybody struggles with it. Everybody. You know how I know? Because it started the journey while we're here. Adam and Eve walking around, chilling. All these trees. God, like, look, I'm, I hooked you up. You got all these trees. Whole garden you've been tending. I'm going to ask you not to touch one tree. You got all these other trees. Gave you a boo. Right? He goes and leaves. For, hey, I can't believe he don't want you to grab that tree. Isn't that interesting? Think about that. Isn't that us? Daily, God, like, I gave you this, I gave you this, I gave you got that, I bless you here, this is happening in your life. Well, what about this, God? No thanks. No, like, oh, yeah, God has been good. It's, no, 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 no. What about this? Why, why isn't this happening in my life?
See, there's something very interesting. Uh, when I think of the lies that creep in in persecution, uh, and he, can you imagine, you see why he's saying this, right? Think about the people he's talking to. You don't think people who are going through persecution need to be reminded of like, oh, pause, don't be discontent. Can you imagine you had a job, family, flowing, things going well, Paul comes on the scene, Holy Spirit come in, mess you all up, you get saved. Now, lose your job, get beat up in the alley. I mean, imagine what's going on. I mean, think about the different narratives. I mean, I'm just painting one for you, but guys, this is real. I get people got beat up. People lost their jobs. People's, people got kids were, were done wrong. Wives were done wrong. And you just think, why am I doing this? What is it? Is this worth it? I just want to read this to you. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, the, the lie is kind of like this. You, you, you want something you don't have, and then it moves to, you know what it moves to? It's not that you just want something you don't have. Here's where Satan gets you, and this is what you see in the fall, and this is what you see in all of our lives. If you're honest, this is what you see in your life. It moves from something you don't have to, you know what? It's something I should have. And there's a big difference. Right? I, wait, I don't have this, and I should have it. I deserve this. And then it moves to, I deserve this. Why hasn't God given it to me? Right? Why hasn't God given me what I'm supposed to have? You see how quickly? You don't, we don't say that out loud because that's not the Christian thing to do. But we think it. And at the end, here's what, here's what Satan wants from you and me. Don't miss this. He wants you and me to think that God is stingy. He, that, that's, what, see, that's, that's the game plan. If he can get you and me to start thinking, no, God doesn't really want me to have that. God, God's stingy. Then what you start doing, right? Well, if he is stingy, then I got to do my own thing. I can still get it. I can still get it. I get it, God. You're just stingy. I'm sorry. I know that's how you are. So I, I, I won't mess with you. I'll do my own thing. Right? Who? Is this somebody's narrative in here? Is this, some, is this, is this somebody's story in here? Right? You start trying to work your plan. You like God. You love God. You thank, thanks for salvation, but you're kind of stingy. And there's some other things that, that I probably should have. Everybody else got it. Why can't I have it, Lord? Why can't, why, why can't I have a wife? Why can't I have a husband? Right? Why can't I have kids? These are big things that are hard and they're hurtful. But sometimes God, is a, he'll bless somebody in one way and he'll choose to say, I'm going to give you some extra grace to not receive that blessing because I have another role for you. And you can think, wait a minute, but everybody does that. The Bible says that's a good thing. Why would you not hook me up like that? Right? Oh, and, and then look how we are. Then God get you, you know, you know the funny, you want to see, you want to see when you're, when you're really jacked up, this is how we all are. I love it because then God gives you something and you still want something else. Oh, Lord, only if I get away, only if I get away. Here's your wife. Oh, praise God. Oh, man, I need some freedom. I need some freedom. <laughs> right? I'm going to keep, this is how we are. That's how we are. Oh, I got a wife, but man, only if we had a kid. Oh, it'd be so good. Oh, Lord. Oh, get a kid. Oh, Lord, man, how many of your kids are going to grow up to be 18 so I can go do some stuff? <laughs> That's how you start thinking. 
Can I be? A, can we keep it real? You start thinking. You start. I, me and Sarah, we were laughing at each other. We went ice skating with the kids. And you know I love y'all. We went ice skating. And me and Sarah do this. And I just want to say this to all the parents so it can free you today. Be free. Because we all think this. And we're skating, having a good time. But I got my little man and my back about to break. Because, you know, I'm basically carrying him across around the ice. And we look at each other. And we just giggle. Because we both, you know how you just start talking with no, with no words. And we giggle because we're both frustrated. Because we just want to skate. Just me and her with the hands held like in the movies. <laughs> just two laps. Just, just a couple laps. That's all we want. We just want a couple. Guys, I am not tripping. We just want a couple laps. We looked at each other. And you know what happens with the, with the marriage, right? So now we both realize that's not going to happen. So we both start thinking, well, how do I get mine? Right? I'm just going to start skating. He's going to have to deal with all five of them. You know how we are. Y'all know y'all do it too. You know you be at the park and all of a sudden, where, where baby go? Where baby? Right? You in the corner eating a hot dog or something? You know it. You know it. All of a sudden, I'm, got the, I'm with the homies. I'm like, where boy at? She, she, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, up. So now, I'm like, I'm going to get mine too. So now we're trying to both, right? How do we do this? How do we love our kids? But yet still trying to get a few skates ourselves. And we both had to come to the realization that at this stage, Lord, give me the grace to realize, not a hustle, but the joy of at this stage seeing our kids have joy. See, that's just a moment where God is like, I'm just showing you how far your heart is. That you can't see the blessing right before you because you're struggling with discontent. You won't just enjoy that you prayed. I have a Bible when I was single. And I prayed for the Lord to give me a golly wife and some kids. I said, four kids and twin boys. <laughs> he gave me five kids and an unbelievable wife. And here I am at the, at the skating rink, mad. Because <laughs> I can't go around by myself. You see what I'm saying? He wants you to think God is stingy, family. Milana, guys, he's going to do that. You remember, God's not stingy. He's blessed you. I'm telling you, in that moment, I'm keeping it real. You're going to have angel baby. Pray for that. Praying. Okay? This is how we are. You're going to have a moment where you're going to just have your own ice cream cone and no licks. You know it. You know, guys, we all fight discontent. Our kids fight it. You know, I mean, they're super humble. They love things. We bless them. You give them something, and this is how we are. This is how we all are. You get them one thing, they want another thing. Right? It's, it's a discipline. It's a discipline, family. That's why I'm harping on this. We got to go. Um, best case, think about this, guys. Who, who could, who has the right? You think of everybody in civilized history who has a right to have a right to say, okay, you can be discontent. Wouldn't it be Paul? Wouldn't it be Paul? And yet Paul said, thank, I give thanks. He says, you ought to give thanks. We ought to give thanks. Look what God is doing. This is Paul. Got beat up. He's broke. Paul says, no, this should be a command. If you want to know how you're doing in your faith, that's a good temperature gauge right there. How thankful am I? Am I thankful? Am I, am I recognizing what the Lord is doing? Look at the content of Thanksgiving. It's the church. He says, they're growing in faith. They're increasing in love. That's his content, 
right? What do you care about, family? Think about that. He's thanking God for it. He has a strong confidence in, in God for the future of the people. Look at it. I love this. Like, when you think of what do you care about, a lot of times our, our world, our world, our world exalts and honors stuff, and we, we fall prey to it. That, man, I, I'm just amazed at how the things that should be honored, the things that should be lifted up, they aren't. Like faithfulness, right, and kindness, and, and, and self-sacrificial natures. That doesn't get lifted up. Right? The people we esteem in this world are selfish and arrogant. It's like the more arrogant, the more boisterous you is, the more the bigger platform you get. It's like a topsy-turvy thing. It's weird. You see what he cares about? Not that you have a lot of money. Oh, we praise God that you guys have built a big church. Oh, he cares that they're godly. You see that? He cares that they're godly. That they, that, they're, that they have faith in the midst of all this drama. And look at this. He doesn't say, oh, I thank the Thessalonians. Very interesting. You know, if I'm going through all that Thessalonians, I want a little love. He doesn't thank them. He thanks the Lord. You notice that? And he ends in verse 4. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. I talk about afflictions and persecutions so much, I'm not even going to labor that point for you all today. So praise, praise the Lord. Um, but this is the result of their growing faith and love. The result of their growing faith and love uh, is that they could, they could enable, they can persevere, they, could, they can endure, man, the things that come their way, the stuff that hits them. And that's the prayer here, is that pithy sayings won't get you on Tuesday when things are hard. My prayer is that you're diving in the word, that we're, that we're chopping up the gospel together, that we're realizing that, man, that God created us out of love. If you didn't understand the gospel, he created you out of love. He, 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 man, he, he just, he, an abundance of love was flowing from God, and he creates us. And then we had an audacity to sin to think that we could be our own God. God should have destroyed us. He did not. Instead, he, sent, he was merciful. He sent Jesus, his son, to say, you know what? You guys are decreating. You're destroying yourselves. I want to give you another opportunity. I want to make you new so that you can experience the, the love of the Father again. And so that's what, that's what he does. The gospel is the good news that Jesus doesn't leave you to your self-destruction, is that he's a rescuer. The good news, the good news, the gospel, what it's called, the good news is that Jesus saves us from Satan's sin, death, and evil, that he saves us from ourselves. And he says, but only in Christ, if he's the way, the truth, and the life, if you will give yourself to Jesus and say, Lord, I had the audacity to think I'd be my own God, I, I give myself to you, that God promises to save you and make you his child. This is the beauty. And that as we understand and we understand the gospel and we're diving in the word and we're believing the gospel, that now when these things happen, we can choose gratefulness. You can choose thanksgiving. That's what he's saying here. He boasts in all the, their steadfastness. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I skipped past this. I missed it. I want to just show you guys. Look real quick at, at verse 3 and notice something. Don't miss how he talks about in the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. I just love that fireball of love. I didn't want to miss that. I think it would be unfaithful to, for you to miss verse 3 is that he's saying he's thankful and there's this, this fireball of love is that, that, that people were loving each other and that because like I was loving you and you were loving him and they were loving and we were just all loving each other. And so when everybody's on the right game plan and we're all loving each other, no one gets missed out. Right, right. 
This enabled him to persevere family. He wants Christians to endure. And so he, he, t- he says, you're clinging to Christ. You're holding on to Jesus. You're trusting Christ. I'm so thankful. I pray we wouldn't honor the wrong people. We would, we would love one another radically. I pray we would follow Paul's model for us. And what do we see simply in this scripture here? Verses 1 through 4, we see Paul setting the stage for the rest of the scriptures that he's going to present to us in this epistle. And he's just asking us two questions. Are you grateful or are you entitled, right? He's asking you that. Like, why do you live your life? What's your posture? Are you thankful or are you complaining? Right? What's your posture? Think about it as we respond in worship, family. We're going to respond in worship through taking of the tithe and offering and are the beautiful sacrament of communion.